I am George Anderson. I am Elizabeth Link. I am Ben Brannan. We are going on a journey through the Gospel of Mark with a sermon series titled, Reimagined. Together, we'll explore why the Gospel is in such a hurry for readers to get to know and keep up with Jesus. Today's sermon is a stop along the way of that journey. Join us as we reflect on what was, rethink what is, and reimagine what will be. Would you pray with me? O Lord, grant that the words in my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May we decrease in order that Christ might increase among us. Amen. Last week we heard a beautiful sermon on the work before us to honor and lift up children as Jesus did, using the youngest and most vulnerable members of the community as exemplars of kingdom inheritance. We're not jumping ahead in Mark's gospel for today's reading. We continue the story. Jesus blessed the children and now sets back out on his journey to Jerusalem. Listen to what happens next from Mark 10 verses 17 through 31. And listen for God's word to us today. As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields, 
with persecutions and in the age to come in eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In preparation for Trunk or Treat today, I've been to several major retail stores lately. And I feel I am in a time flux because I see Halloween candy sitting right next to garland, which is hung beside fall and pumpkin wreaths right next to markdown wrapping paper. I mean, if, if you go to Hobby Lobby, Target, Walmart, any major retail store, Christmas is upon us already. And Halloween is still a week away. The holidays have merged into one season, and that season is now. Black Friday sales seem to have moved from the Friday after Thanksgiving to the first Monday of October. Fall decorations have been out since August, and they seem to be stored away before fall even begins. Halloween just comes and goes, and Christmas preparations begin in July. I mean, I see scary clown costumes sitting right next to Santa suits. There is a strangeness, and for me, some confusion, that comes with jumping too quickly from one season to the next without any warning or rhythm. I mean, part of the fun is in the transition from one season to the next. And I appreciate actual time spent in those transitions. You know, taking a deep breath of the first chilly morning of September, wearing a coat to work, and then shedding all your layers throughout the day and going home in a tank top. Valerie and I love to witness the leaves change and the leaves fall in our yard. It's beautiful to see the greens turn to warm yellows and reds. And I don't want to jump too fast to the snowy days and snowmen. Although I do love the winter season, for me, lingering in each season, even lingering in the moments of transition, allows me to prepare for the expectations that come with seasonal transition. Transitions happen not only in the seasons of nature, but in the seasons of life. Understanding what is next, preparing for what is next, and perhaps the eventual first steps are all somewhat hard. These moments of transition are moments moving into the future, a future that is unknown, a future that is maybe scary, a future that is almost always difficult. Getting ready for your first day of school. Going on a blind date. Quitting a job to pursue another career. Deciding to undergo experimental treatment for an illness that has become part of your identity. Moving to a new city. Discerning a call to ministry. Discerning a call to serve the church as an elder or the decision to join a church, or the moment you sell everything and give to the poor. This last one is what happened to the man in our passage. 
Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and a man, a young man, as he's described in Matthew, a ruler, as he is described in Luke, runs up to Jesus. The man kneels, taking a stance of reverence, and addresses Jesus as good teacher, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And because the story is one of the most familiar in the synoptic gospels and familiar to most of us, we tend to run through it as fast as that man was running up to Jesus. But Jesus, in common Jesus fashion, dodges the man's initial question and responds with his own. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Jesus then rattles off the commandments. Well, at least some of them. You see, the commandments are split onto two tablets. One tablet contains the commandments regarding our relationship with God. The other tablet contains the commandments regarding our relationship with each other. Which commandments did Jesus recite to our frantic friend? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. These are second tablet commandments. I don't hear any of the first tablet commandments. You shall not have any other God before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Jesus insightfully recites only the ones regarding our relationship with each other. The man responds, I have kept all these since my youth. Well, at least the ones Jesus mentioned. The man was probably like, oh good, Jesus skipped over the other ones. Whew, those are tougher to keep. Jesus then looks at him and loves him and says, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The man was shocked. He turned from Jesus without saying another word and left grieving, for he had many possessions. Each Transition in life we are called into involves change. And with change comes loss, and with loss comes grief. We don't know what happened when that man gets back to his home. Does he grieve because he knows he has to let go of everything? Or does he grieve knowing he cannot let go of everything? With change comes loss. With loss comes grief. Jesus then turns to the disciples who just witnessed this encounter and provides a quick, to-the-point explanation that riches will be the stumbling block for not only that man, but for many who try to enter the kingdom of God. It will be as difficult for the wealthy of this earthly kingdom to enter the heavenly kingdom as it is for a camel 
to fit through the eye of a needle. Difficult or impossible? The disciples turn to each other saying, then then who can be saved? And Jesus responds to the disciples murmuring, yes, impossible for humans, but not for God. With God, all things are possible. And then you've got to love Peter, right? Peter always jumps in to give his two cents, eager to prove that he's, he belongs and that he follows Jesus faithfully. He says, Jesus, we gave everything up. We left our nets, we left our boats, our families, our friends, our lifestyle, our wages, and we followed you. Peter, you are right, Jesus says. And what you left will return to you hundredfold. Because those who are first in this life will be last. But those who are last will be first in the kingdom of God. It is a familiar story, and it is a familiar story that is fast-paced, moving from one thing to the next. The man runs up to Jesus. The man was given a formula for eternal life. He grieves. Jesus teaches, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven with riches. For humans, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. The disciples are perplexed. Peter speaks up. Jesus counters and teaches again. The last will be first. The first will be last. And then we're left confronted. We're left confronted and uncomfortable, even perplexed with this, just as those in the story were. What are we to do? Let's try something. Sit for a second with me. Breathe deeply. Inhale and exhale. Take in and let go. Feel your body becoming quiet. You can close your eyes if you like. Imagine you are in one of your favorite places. A vacation spot your favorite place in Roanoke, your favorite place in your home. How does that feel? Now imagine that Jesus is sitting beside you. He is asking you to let go of something that can make it possible for further and deeper trust and faith. What might you be able to let go of so you can follow Jesus more closely? Will that be easy? Will it be hard? Why? What must you do to let go of that something? Breathe deeply, thinking about letting go of that thing. And Jesus looks at you and says, I love you. I could end the story or our sermon right there. We can go home reflecting on what we need to let go of, the things that stand in our way of 
fully trusting God and decide what we to give what we can. Maybe you're like the rich man and Jesus is asking you to sell and give money. And the stewardship committee is looking at me like, yes, Ben, stop there. But Jesus knew what stood in that man's way. So his call to him to sell and give was personal. So for you, it may not be money or wealth or possessions. Maybe something else is standing in your way of deeper discipleship. Maybe it is your anger that stands in your way. Your anger that stands in your way of fully trusting God. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it is the feeling that you are unworthy of love, so you keep at a distance. Maybe it is the idea that there is always something better just around the corner waiting on you, somewhere else, with someone else. Maybe it is your need for control and certainty. Maybe it is a relationship of resentment toward a family member or loved one, a relationship that seems to, that can never be reconciled. Maybe that resentment is with your former self. Maybe it's a combination of some of these mentioned or none of these. But what stands in your way? Friends, we are confronted with this question. But I want to remind you, Jesus looks at you just as he looked at that man in the story, with deep compassion and deep love. No matter what stands in your way, Jesus loved that man. And Jesus loves you. But if we linger a bit in this man's encounter with Jesus and this transition of trust, there might be something more. So let's flip the script. If we slow down and reflect deeper, I believe we are also called to act like Jesus. There is a lesson Jesus teaches us here, yes, Full trust, full investment, not in material wealth, but in the wealth of others' well-being. Full investment of love, faith, and trust in God is the key to the now and not yet kingdom inheritance. But Jesus calls us to emulate his actions. So what if we are equally called to respond to others the way Jesus responded to the man? Jesus knew what the man was going through, even though it seemed like he has followed the commandments to the T his whole life. He was a devout Christian man, yet there was something standing in his way, and Jesus knew what it was. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved that man, and he challenged him. Sit with me again. Breathe deeply, relax, 
quiet your body one more time. Imagine you're back in your favorite place. Now imagine there is a certain friend sitting beside you. This friend is like the rich man, a friend struggling with trust. And you know what this friend is feeling because you love this person deeply. Who is sitting beside you? And you know what stands in their way, what is holding them back. And what are you feeling? Then you turn to your friend and you ask them to let go of something. How did that person react? How do you respond? Spend a few more moments there breathing deeply and look at your friend and tell them one more time, I love you. Transitions are hard. Transitions involve change, and change involves loss, and loss involves grief. And that's okay. But the thread of God's love runs through it all. Love is the basis of commitment. Love is the call to love through change, to love through loss, to love through grief. And love then carries us to commit again, to depend on and fully trust in God. I wonder who is showing you love as you are called to let go of what stands in your way. I wonder who you show love to as you call them to let go of what stands in their way. And I wonder what love we can still share as each one of us is called to go, sell, give, come, follow. It will be hard. For humans, it may seem impossible. But with God and for God, all things are possible. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.